Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and we have two special guests for you as we go into our show. First off, we'll be talking with Todd C. Todd C. Fahey, and we're going to be discussing uh, leadership and where it's kind of lacking in business. Um, Todd, you want to take a moment to kind of introduce yourself and tell our guests a little bit more about you and your background and what kind of got you into leadership? Sure, <clears throat> happy to. Um, Leonard, thanks for having me on today. So. I, uh, I am a lawyer uh, by training. I have uh, run nonprofit organizations and small businesses, and I, uh, I'm an adjunct faculty member teaching law uh, to, uh, to aspiring lawyers uh, as well. I'm a practicing attorney, and I represent a lot of small businesses. And, you know, I'm really often thinking about the, a lot of the troubles we're having today, and, and much of it, in many cases, boils down to leadership. And, and I think business, in many cases, has the opportunity to uh, to lead in very exceptional ways and to really inspire the best in other people. And I think, in many cases, people are are, are not uh, really fully utilizing that opportunity that their their platforms and business present to them. So, um, you know, again, uh, happy to speak about it in in certainly uh, philosophical, political, and practical terms. But thanks for having me on. Of course, yeah, we see a lot of that in business, especially nowadays, where a lot of uh, businesses actually have a opportunity to go out there and help people grow, become leaders, and so forth. And then in other types of businesses, we don't see that all too often, but the opportunity is there for for them to do it. Um, when we think about it, what do you think separates the businesses that are leaders in leadership and are kind of making the uh, paving the way for that, as opposed to the uh, brands that are kind of struggling with that? Well, you know, you certainly have, you know, obviously within the sectors, you have a nonprofit sector that exists for something outside of, you know, personal and profit, corporate profit. But then, you know, you have these certified B corporations coming around with the triple bottom line and trying to do something um, um, more noble. But I think you have a lot of opportunities where even getting outside of that, you have you have people in the C-suite, you know, the CEOs, CFOs, COOs who can make really really potent, impactful decisions and lead by example. And I just hear it over and over again. And, you know, I, I, uh, I, I live in New Hampshire, but I travel extensively. And, and you often hear people, we often hear people lamenting uh, of the loss of great leaders. Um, and I hope there's some new ones coming up. And I believe there are some great ones coming up, but it's a, a, selfless, a selflessness maybe. And just just, you know, a thinking of doing the right thing, um, recognizing some of the challenges of our time. And, and, you know, we can, this isn't a political commentary. There's lots of, we can disagree or agree on many of those things. But my point is leaders, leaders and people within companies, they make the decisions. And so often, um, I used to do a lot of uh, media work and, and we'd be talking and, and, and folks would say, well, company X, company Y did this. And that's not exactly accurate, right? Companies and any business organization acts through human agents. So some human being is making a decision to do A or B or C. So my point is that I think there's an opportunity for people to be a bit more intentional about what they're doing um, and at the same time, you know, really benefit people around them. 
with that. A lot of the business gets credit or discredit for what a lot of people do, but usually it's uh, the actions of the people who are behind and steering the ship that kind of make those things turn into reality. And in some instances, like when something good happens, what usually ends up happening is the business gets a lot of credit, but the people who made that effort don't. And on the opposite end, when the business does something bad, usually the people behind it kind of get punished. So uh, I don't think it's that much of a fair scale, especially when it comes to the acknowledgement that goes towards the people who are uh, behind the scenes making these uh, accomplishments happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can lead from the front or you lead from behind, right, Leonard? I mean, you can lead from, you can inspire other people to lead and step aside. And some say a great definition of leadership is just seeing what, what the band does when you're not there. So and and perhaps they're a little bit a little bit more selflessness could be good. So when you see the people who actually are doing the work and making it happen, that they can be called out for that work. Um, everybody wants to matter, and everybody does. And I think leadership in many in many ways can can underscore the accomplishments of people, um, or can fail to. You know, it's just a, it's just a bit maybe being just a bit more intentional about leadership. Yeah, I think one of the things that a lot of businesses struggle with is like, how do you go out there and take your stakeholders, take the people who work at your company and kind of build that personality around them? And you don't see it too often. Nowadays, you see a little more than you did before. But like when I used to work over at um, the University of Southern California's hospitals, we sat down with all our uh, as many physicians as we could, as many nurses as we could, as many um, people behind the scenes as we could. And we started to collect their stories, what they did, what they specialized in. And we try to focus and put efforts towards as many people as possible to get their efforts, their accomplishments, and so forth, like documented, put up on the web so other people can see it. Um, There was one instance where one of the physicians, an eye surgeon, went out there and um, he got a Medal of Honor from Obama. So we took that clip, we put it online, and it generated over like a million people who were able to watch that. And things as simple as like how to do like a breast cancer uh breast uh cancer check for yourself that got like 50 to 100,000 views and so forth so i i think a lot of uh talented things are going on within a lot of organizations it's just that most of this is limited to just what the marketing uh lens puts on where a lot of people don't see like what happens behind the scenes. Like if you look at like maybe like a Honda or a Toyota commercial, you usually see the car driving down, but not too often do you see what happens in the factories where they're creating the things, the design process or any of that. And I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of leadership within all these organizations and the creativity, but we just don't see it when we see these brands uh, going out there and doing things. Yeah, I agree. It's very well said. And and all of these folks um, in leadership roles have the ability to elevate those people or not, right? You can keep them behind the scenes or you can call them out as you did. And so, you know, we, it seems to me in whether you're on the West Coast or the East Coast that we're in a time where people, you know, really are lacking purpose and some a lot a lot of people are lacking hope. And, and the fact of the matter is not everybody's going to be in um, um, exalted, uh, very public leadership roles, but everybody leads in some way. And I do think it's a small thing for leaders to call that out. And it might, it might just empower and inspire people um, to just to see, the, to see their contributions, right, to a greater good. 
um, the people who are contributing, but then the people who are actually looking at the car ad, for instance, to say, wow, you know, you wouldn't have that ad if you didn't have all the people sourcing the materials and working on the lines and, and, and figuring out how to do the distribution and the financing, all those other things. Yeah, and I think um, if brands were able to go out and highlight their people who are actually doing stuff, that would ignite a spark of like uh, productivity, hope, inspiration. And as you said, a lot of that's kind of like lacking nowadays. Uh, it's half due to working conditions. It's half due to the economy just getting so much more expensive and stuff. It's pretty easy to get discouraged nowadays so when companies are thinking of ways to go out there and keep their employees happy i mean there's always a monetary benefit like pay people more but there's other ways to get people extremely motivated too um and it does work oh absolutely and i think again that's beautifully said that people people i think do need to feel that they matter right everybody matters so and they matter at work, and work is important for many, many people. I mean, if you're working 40 hours a week, it's, you know, it's nearly a third of your, your waking life. And, um, and I think it, it's really important to call that out, that whatever people's contribution is, we should maybe think about that. And it's an opportunity for people to become better, and you correctly point out that that aids in productivity and engagement and retention, all the things that are important to business and to the growth of business. But I do think I do think business has got a unique opportunity um, to do to do really great work, and it doesn't. It can look. It looks different, like we're talking about here. It's just that there's a different flavor to it, and I think it's not particularly expensive. Just requires a touch of in, intentionality. I, I agree with that. And then if we really think about like how people um, operate in general, let's say you love your job or you hate your job, but one day you become unemployed. A lot of people that I've encountered who experience like a, uh, periods of unemployment like they have like this um loss of identity of like who they are so a lot of people do cultivate who they are their identity their personality who they are with their friends spouses and so forth around that um persona that they've built up at work and since that's such a huge component of a lot of people's identities, like bringing that leadership and bringing that uh, ability, uh, ability to go out there and recognize a lot of the people within an organization is only going to help solidify that as opposed to taking it away, which um, could be happening now just due to all the outside conditions from work that leads to a even more stressful work environment. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with um, you more. So what, what do you think are some of the things, like let's say someone on here is a manager or maybe they manage a small team or they're an executive, what are some of the things that they could do, however small, to kind of encourage other people to um, work harder, do more? We talked a little bit about like recognition in the public sense, which could be a pretty difficult because you have to get marketing on board, maybe executive leadership and so forth. But I think there's other sure. things that could kind of be done within an organization to help build that team essence, build that leadership up. What, what do you think some of the things that um, organizations could do to improve that? Sure. Well, you know, assuming <clears throat> assuming you need you would need the buy-in of, 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 of senior leadership and, you know, the C-suite, but even on the frontline managers, I mean, get to know your people, figure out what it is that they want, and, and maybe have a little bit of empathy and a little bit of compassion. So, for instance, you might have a person who says, 
who who is perennially frustrated because they're asked to to get something out the door before they're leaving for the day. And they may come in and, and be maybe a touch testy about that to their 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 supervisor. Well, maybe the supervisor should say, why is that? And then you might find out that the person who you're managing, if you care to know, has a young child or has um, an ill parent or significant other, and they need to be out um, at the door by a certain time. Another thing, and I've had this experience myself, where somebody has come in and and said, well, in asking me to do this late, um, I can't do my best work. And by asking me not to, by not asking me sooner, and I want to do the work and deliver the product to you, you're not giving me the opportunity to be excellent. And if I didn't ask that question and at least stop talking enough to listen to the answer, you don't get into the mind of that person. And when you do get into the mind, I think that's when the magic happens because you understand what people might need, what motivates them what inspires them, what pains them. And managers at their best need to get the best out of their people. Um, And I've seen this time and time again in my own life. I agree with that. I think communication is a difficult thing for a lot of people to go out and master. An employee is going to have a difficult time bringing something personal up to their boss because it's personal and they're at work. So they don't think it might be appropriate to kind of bring it up as a topic, especially if you have a sick relative or something like that. And maybe someone who needs a more ample time to go out there and complete a project might not know how to say it, but they could show signs of the stress uh, of, of the duress of not being able to get that. And from the manager's side, to go out there and be able to have that conversation flow instead of just being like, okay, we got deliverables that are due and kind of building up that relationship. It's going to be difficult on both sides, but there's a lot of ways once it's actually done where you could kind of see that magic happen. Um, Do you have some tips on what each side could really do to help uh, bring those uh, more personable conversations up? So those uh, those some gaps that people are kind of missing on both the management side and on the employee side could kind of be uh, meshed and um, resolved? Sure, sure. I mean, um, so it's easy to remember. It's two to one, right? You have two two ears and one mouth. So it's not so bad to listen twice as much as you're speaking. (laughs) That's not something that's always very popular in our culture. Um, Excuse me, but to listen twice as much as one speaks is a good idea, certainly for, for, for managers and leaders. And I think it's important to develop. Uh, so that's one piece. The other piece is, is trust. Do what you say. It's very easy to say, I respect this. I honor that. I support this. But, but do you? Do you? So, you know, we have plenty of people here in, in the East Coast, and I call some of my CEO pals out on this. And they're all for, they're all worried about climate change. And again, regardless of where you fall on the issue, um, you know, I, I happen to be very concerned about it. And, and I said, well, what are you doing? So do you want to wring your hands or do you want to do something? So sometimes, you know, put solar panels in your house and drive an EV. And these are people who can well afford it, right? And I'm not judging them. I'm not criticizing them. But this was not more than two weeks ago with people of prominence in our little state of New Hampshire and they really hadn't thought about it that way. And so I'm not, I just think sometimes we maybe need to slow down and be a, not, not self-critical, just a little more self-aware. And because those actions really can inspire people in small ways. So I think self-awareness would be number two. 
And then I think, you know, really three, the precondition to all of it, Leonard, is just trust. People have to trust each other. And you can say you're decent and you agree with this and you agree with that, but do you? I mean, do you really walk that walk? And it's very hard to do. For any of us who are being honest with ourselves, it's it's easier said than done. So those are yeah, the three I can, things, I guess. I can agree with that. And I like what you kind of said about number two, where, like, let's say someone's into sustainability. They could still be driving a gas-powered vehicle. They could have a gas-powered stove at home. They might be using electricity. Like, if they actually make those efforts to go out there and make those changes, then that could have a trickling-down effect where other people would kind of follow suit. And, like, at a lot of large companies, you'll see a whole department that's set out for sustainability. However, is it really going out there and making the company more sustainable? Or did they kind of jump into that field because everyone else did and they don't want to be kind of left behind as the company that's not doing it? And usually you have to like look at each individual company to see exactly what they're doing to see if those efforts are actually something they're championing or it's just a flag that they're waving around where they're not really doing much. Sure. That's like that would be number four, I suppose, right? The authenticity piece. I mean, are you walking the walk? And, and so, I mean, a small example in, in, in our, again, our fair state of New Hampshire, we have great solar potential here. So I did put solar on my house and I'm proud of it, but I put some of it in an area that would be very visible to my neighbors who don't have solar. And I didn't do it because I think I'm better than anybody. And I, I put solar on, but I was very proud of the fact that you can see solar panels on my house. And, um, and you know, I didn't do it right away. I can't say I was an early adopter 20 years ago, so shame on me, perhaps, but I did it. And I'm trying to walk that walk. And then whenever I have an opportunity to talk to people about it in a very authentic way, I do. And, um, and I do think that resonates. And sometimes people are just intrigued. And there's a lot of noise, as you know, and I appreciate the show and, and a lot of your, your social media presence because you're authentic. And I love that. So Thank um, you. Th- thanks, for giving me, thanks for giving me the opportunity. Of course. So I have a question. Like when you put up your solar panels, it probably sparked up a few conversations here and there and also may have led other people into getting solar panels, too. Oh, yeah. The first question is always, what's the payback? And and (laughs) I I can't answer that question. Of course, I answer that question. But I'm like, it's not just that piece. So my view, and again, I'm not being preachy, is that if, if you know, and I'm, I am blessed to have the means to be able to do it, but if I, if I can help, you know, one or two or three times what I should be doing, then I'm offsetting somebody, somebody who can't. So I sometimes challenge my friends with means to say, look, if you can do three times more than you need to do, and that's better for everybody, whatever that looks like, hire three times as many people who might need to be hired who wouldn't otherwise have a shot put up three times as much solar as you can on a couple of your buildings that you own to offset the, uh, the, you know, the obligations of, or the emissions of people who can't. And, and, and I try to say it, and I really do say it in a very non-preachy and judgmental way, because it's, it's not, for, I don't know people's circumstances, none of us do, but I do think if you can't start and walk this walk yourself, I just think it just sounds hollow. Like all of my friends, you know, on Friday afternoons after a long week and, you know, we gather and everybody's wringing their hands about the state of the environment, but nobody's doing much about it. And these people have tremendous means. Some of them run museums. Some of them run, 
you know, organizations with a footprint throughout all of New Hampshire and Vermont and Massachusetts and upstate New York. I mean, they could change, they could do a lot easily by the stroke of a few pens, few pen strokes. Yeah, I could see that. And I, I, one of the things is um, the people who are talking about things and not doing anything. And I like what you kind of mentioned where you're not like forcing your views upon others because some people do do that. And it kind of has the deterring effect as opposed to the adopting effect where um, if you're like, you got to get solar panels, they're the best things ever. And, um, it, you know, it kind of sounds like a sales pitch, even if you're just an advocate of it. Like some, sometimes that passion could go a little too far and deter people away. So there's always that striking balance with the authenticity as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think I think there's an opportunity. People want to just know that I think people are more powerful than they think. I think their actions are much more powerful than they think. I think their voices are more powerful than they think, regardless of whether you're a, a manager or an owner or the managed or a worker. It doesn't matter. I think everybody matters. And if the, and the pandemic certainly showed that, right? As we saw with the, you know, the the, uh, the essential workers throughout the country, and you just, you know, people who you wouldn't even necessarily, you know, and, and shamefully not fully acknowledge, boy, if they weren't stocking the shelves, you knew they weren't working, right? Because you weren't eating. So, um, and I just do think where people are more important than they they know. And I guess I'll leave you with this thought: that we seem to live in a, a time now of some challenge. Obviously, you know, in history, there's a lot of headwinds. Um, and with that, there's opportunity and there has been throughout history. But this whole idea that um, that we can't move through it and we can't inspire people to be better, I think we can. I just think people just need to maybe shift thinking a little bit to say, what what might I do versus what might I ask for? You know, there's a difference. Yeah, I think a lot of people really underestimate what they're truly capable of or what a few words could do and how that could turn into a movement or something even bigger than themselves. And each and every single one of us are capable of doing it, but we all do underestimate ourselves due to our own personal life experiences. Maybe our um, parents told us we were never good enough. Maybe our teachers did. But that possibility to go out there and do something, if you just try, you don't even have to believe in yourself. You just have to try. And if you do give it a try, then it could potentially go out there and have a ripple effect. And um, next thing you know, you could be looking back and being like, what just happened? And just be shocked at the results. Anyways, if anyone wants to find Todd out there and learn more about what he's doing, uh, Todd, where can people find you online? Oh, you know, they can just hit me up. I'm just on LinkedIn. You know, I don't do this for a living. I I, this, I, I weave it into my life, right? Uh, uh, I do I do talk a lot. I try to post on leadership periodically. I, I, I don't I do not do it every day. I have a full-time busy life. But I'm on LinkedIn, Todd C. Fahey. I'm here in New Hampshire and happy to talk to anybody who wants to chat. Um, that's the easiest way to find me. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, and that's actually where I, Leonard and I first had some encounter. And thank you, by the way, for, um, for my, that retweet years ago months ago now um but um that's where you can find me again i'm just i'm just i guess the authenticity to me is i'm a person just living my life every day doing the best i can trying to lead where i can um and and inspire where i can and and i don't i don't have to have the cloak of a fortune 100 ceo um to to make a statement that's universally applicable to all of us i know some of those folks for sure and i'm blessed that i do but 
if, if I have this ability, then everybody else does too. So thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you so much, Todd, for uh, giving all your insights to everyone here. Um, we're about to hop off to a commercial break, and we'll see you after the commercial break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel change starts here change starts now join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and we had an amazing segment with Todd, and we talk, talked a lot about leadership and ways to go out there and incorporate it. Uh, now we have uh, Nura Sheikha Lee on the line with us, and we're going to be discussing um, Startup Camels, which is a new generation of strong, disruptive, disruptive companies and brands. Um, but before we get into that, Nura, do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself, let people know a little bit about your background and how you got into what you're doing now? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. First of all, thank you for having me on the uh, on the show. My name is Nora Ali. I'm the CEO of Bold Branding Group. Bold, Bold Branding Group is a women-led, uh, multidisciplinary branded agency in Washington D.C. We specialize in transforming products, organizations into attract, attractive personalities. Uh, we also combine bold ideas, innovative strategies, and creativities with um, industry-focused marketing solutions to really help brands out and, and leverage them when it comes to their competition. Um, awesome. We've worked... Yep, yep. Go on. No, I was just going to add that um, as far as 
for myself. I'm, um, I've worked in strategies, public-private partnerships, marketing, and also um, international relations. Um, overall, my passionate, um, which is um, human capital, but also I, I'm very passionate about strategic storytelling, which, um, which is basically what we're doing right now with both brand and crew. And that's really just focusing on growing brands um, through connecting um, ecosystems of products, services, and communication. So definitely I'm thrilled to talk more about uh, Camel Startups um, and some of the startups so, that we worked with in the past. So tell me a little bit about more of these um, startup camels. Well, so I mean, as we know, you know, we've, we've for the past, I don't know how many years, uh, Unicorn has been the, the title that's been used, right, with startups that are, you know, the likes like Uber and so forth. Um, with startup camels, it's it's a different approach. It's actually like studying the actual camel. So as you know, camels, they can travel, you know, for a long period of time. It's like a more sustainable approach, I would say. So it's the sense of being able to really uh, um be sustainable through a period when there's uh, when there's um, adversity happening or even during a time of crisis. So and in being able to really deal with the consistent change. So it's kind of it's been something. It's been a, I would say a phrase that's been used often since um, 2020. Um, and right now, especially with the global economy, what's happening in, in this, particularly in the tech space, in the tech startup space, um, you're coming across um, startups that want to more do the um, the camel startup approach. And the great thing about it is that you're able to really be um, sustainable on your own if it's possible. There's few characteristics, I would say, that a camel startup would have. You know, they're really focused on their customers being able to really, really uh, um, have their customer base be what, what it really is using their business model. Um, being able to not uh, strive to just be in this huge and uh, and grow fast, but more uh, grow, grow, grow slow, slow throughout the process, and and also being resilient. And these are companies and these are startups that have a long-term view. Um, and what they focus on, like, for example, even if they're going to raise capital, they'll make sure that they have some level of a growth strategy in, in place, and they, they don't try to really... Um, take a, a, a huge amount of, um, I would say, capital, even if they're going to go after capital. So it's not so much saying they're not going to go after capital. It's more the approach of saying, hey, we want to make sure we create a business model um, that is sustainable, that's focused on keeping our customer base, but at the same time, being able to create a solid brand equity is really a key component. Um, and that's kind of where Bold comes in because we, are, we work with um, brands that really want to be for the future. And, and we, we also try to be conscious of how the work and, and the services we offer our clients can best position them in the market. So when I think about a camel, I think about this animal who's going through the desert. They're walking mm-hmm. for days and days and days and nothing phases them. So I, I, I can see that kind of being adopted out into a lot of company mentalities where it's just grit, determination, going out there, being self-sustaining, making sure you have enough capital to come in to pay the bills, to get everything going. And uh, I can see why a lot of uh, companies would want to adopt this, especially because unicorns 
hard to go out and achieve and so many companies go out there and try to do it so when you're looking at a camel company what do you think is the key differentiators that makes a company more like a startup camel i mean i think like from a from a brand standpoint we we really we look at companies that truly have a purpose like purpose-driven companies to me can be very successful in this type of environment that we're in um, and, and, and sometimes you come across farmers, uh, startup farmers that have a great product and they have a great vision, but they don't really understand what their purpose is. So th- that's also another thing we offer to really infuse um, it, how, how we can make sure that we can, we can help them really understand what their purpose is. So, I mean, aside from having a solid business model, at the same time, you want to make sure. And, and, and another key factor for Camel uh, startups it's the leadership. The leadership plays a huge role in how successful these companies are because they're the ones, this level of passion and this level of being driven, but also believing in what they're uh, selling, whether it be a service or a product. And having the leadership really, really sell that to their target audience is very important. Awesome. So when you're thinking about like a leader of one of these startup camels, what kind of distinguishes them from the typical startup founder? So, I mean, as far as, the, well, a leader in the, um, I guess you could say the startup camel um, arena would be someone that really is resilient, as you say, like, when you think of camels, right? They're able to really travel for a long period of time. And um, I think being resilient, being bold, right? Being being able to to show show their key characteristics within their um, when it comes to their target audience, but also the brand character is really important, um, but, all, but but at the same time, being able to really address the different um, challenges that come their way and being able to stay up throughout different crises, especially when it comes to things that's out of their hands. That makes a lot of sense. So um, a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with what brands um, are operating as like a startup camel. Do you have some brands that you could kind of share who are going out there and doing this uh, startup camel thing so people could have some name recognition so they could be like, oh, that's a startup camel? Yeah, I mean, so two that I would I would throw out there, and I'm pretty sure people are familiar with these names. Um, Zoom is considered a startup camera, and also Grubhub, because they're able to really uh, not intake a whole uh, amount of capital in the beginning, and they're able to grow steadily throughout uh, the years that they were in business. And those are two prime examples of uh, startup camels. So when I think about like Postmates, when I think about like Uber Eats, when I think about DoorDash, these companies got like tons of money. They went out there and tried to grab every single um, uh, small business possible to go out there and sell their food. And they took like this big approach. Um, So what what about Grubhub makes them a startup camel that and how did they kind of approach this differently? So I, I don't know from a, uh, I guess you could say from like a back-end business approach that they, they did, but I think it's more from a funding standpoint and also how they grew throughout the years. They were able to really start uh, small 
It was, it's, this is the notion of like being able to go, to start small, to not really go in the market and go to be like, hey, we want to raise 50 million or 100 million for this great idea we have, but really infuse maybe their own capital, a certain amount of cap, uh, a small capital in the beginning. And then from that, being able to fine tune through our time and grow that way steady, rather than, as you say, being like Uber Eats and so forth and, and taking a whole bunch of uh, money based on uh, the value of the company. That makes a lot of sense. So they're taking a more conservative approach. They're going out there and making strong relationships with their um, small businesses that they go and sell the food off of. They're making better relationships with like their drivers and their delivery people. And they're taking things one step at a time instead of just trying to go and blanket everything. Like we've heard, mm-hmm. heard instances where like the Postmates driver would take like 50 minutes after they get the food to go and deliver it or the DoorDash driver might go out there and eat something or maybe the order gets wrong or something like that so there's all these complications that a lot of these companies end up uh, dealing with because they're just kind of growing too fast which could turn off a lot of people from wanting to continue to use them so taking this startup camel approach seems like what keeps Grubhub customers so loyal to the brand while also not jeopardizing mm-hmm. cash flow and the operations of something like Grubhub where like um, I hear like Uber Eats and like Postmates and like DoorDash just like lose a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of taking that for sure taking careful steps but at the same time being able to grow your growth, right? And not just growing and saying because you want to make sure that you're a quick for the, the growth that you're going to face. So a lot of times it's being able to implement these strategies rather, you know, rather than reaching to be a unicorn. And, and another reason why I wanted to discuss this topic, honestly, is the fact we're, we're, what's going on right now in the market. You know, there, you know, as you know, a lot of, a lot of VCs are pulling back on investing in tech companies and startups and so forth. So now it's okay. How, how do you make sure you create a brand that have uh, customer loyalty but at the same time, you're able to stay afloat when it comes to the next few years because, you know, I consider what's going on in the global market right now. I call it the great transformation, which we're going to be facing with the next few years. And I think it's really important that we're able to share the information with startups but in the tech space, but also in, in different industries of, hey, you don't have to, you know, go, uh, you know, create fireworks, you know, create Fine-tune your process, fine-tune your, your leadership, fine-tune your, your product. And, and, and then from that, make sure you're um, focused on revenue and you're focused on growing your revenue. But, you know, be conscious of how much investment you're taking in. I can see that. Um, right now, with the economy the way it is, we've all experienced inflation go back to back to back. And it's crushed a lot of families um, all across the United States, which has been pretty devastating. And with um, the recent bank failures, I mean, a lot of um, investors are definitely a lot more hesitant to go out there and fund um, uh, companies, even if they have something brilliant going on, just because of the economic landscape we're in. I think it does not have checks flow as freely as they used to and by going down there and kind of taking this mentality you're still able to go out there and achieve success because Grubhub is not like a small little mom and pop company it's still a pretty big and pretty significant um, 
food delivery company with a lot of market share. So by taking a different approach, it does make sense, especially right now. And I like what you said kind of about the great transformation. We're really in that phase where um, startups are working differently how people go to work is working differently um how people are earning their money is working differently like there's so many new changes that are going on with ai coming out too it is a pretty transformative um period of time we're in yeah yeah i mean and the reality is yeah there's hardships that we're facing with there's hardships that still come in challenges and so forth but there's, it's also a time for opportunity. And I think, um, you know, anyone that's a thought leader, that's a business owner, that's, uh, you know, that have, that's, that's innovative and, 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 and being able to think of how, do you, how can you best position yourself if you're an entrepreneur or, even if you, or if you have your own business or if you're someone that's a leader in a, in a corporate company. Um, it's just being conscious of making sure that, you know, there's going to be some level of um, turmoil happening in the next few years. So you want to best position yourself, but you also want to play safe. At the same time, and I think taking this approach does does help, um, and 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 also you're able to also fine tune your business. I think one of the key things, um, aside from like the leadership, it's also the business model and making sure that you're you're always creating a solid strategies. Um, let it be your marketing strategy, let it be your growth strategy, and so forth, or even the way you're gonna uh, uh, really, if, even your go to market, if you have new products. Um, happening and so forth. And that's some of the things that we, we focus on a bold, like aside from being really design focused and messaging and so forth, we really help our clients when it comes to let it be their go to market, let it be their brand strategy um, and really understanding their audience. I think to me, uh, brands or companies of the future are companies that are able to really have, take a human centric approach and also able to connect with their consumers in a way that they can build long term um, loyalty. And that's kind of, I think, also what a camel startup can be, uh, can really, uh, I guess, showcase when it comes to uh, just brand equity in the market. So I think a lot of companies out there like have some fears and they don't know what's going to happen when they kind of go to market and they might be scared. They're going to like lose all their money. They think some clients are going to come on board. What were some tips that you kind of have for any type of company to go out there in this um, volatile environment to like make a solid strategy to go to market? Um, well, so, I mean, I guess there's, there's few, I would say there's few elements. Um, there is making sure your product is a product for the future, right? So be very conscious of that. Your, even your service, the, like the, the amount of research and development that companies should put into uh, what they're selling is very important. At the same time, making sure that you have a solid brand. A brand that's not just, you know, you, a brand is not just a locus, you know, it's uh, your voice, your tone. Are you connecting with people? Because we are living in a very uh, futuristic, uh, technology-focused world. And, and consumers, especially if you're a B2C uh, company, if you're a B2C company, are you really connecting with your consumers? Are you really creating the, the messaging that they need that they can trust you? Because brand trust is very, very important. You know, everything. The market is oversaturated right now, and we, but we are, we are also in a very opportunist time, which is, you know, there's certain companies that might, you know, pop up next year or this year or so forth, and they might be around for the next 50, 100 years. Who knows? But being able to really connect with, the, with your audience in a way that uh, it's very, like I said, human-centric, but creating brands 
that 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 that's bold too. Like being honest, being able to really really tell the market why 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 they should support you. Um, and leadership does matter. Your management team. Are you being diverse? Are you inclusive in the sense of who's part who's part of uh, the individual that's sitting at the table leading your company? Um, and also being global, having global mindset. Like we're, right now, you see a lot of like I recently seen um, a lot of um, VCs are now shifting to the Middle East and so forth to raise capital and so forth. Like, um, are you are you looking at different markets? How, are you are you looking at South America? Are you looking at uh, the Middle East? Are you looking at India and so forth? Because we're becoming so interconnected, and you cannot just try to um approach. have a one way approach. You have to be you have to be able to be adapt adapt adaptable. I'm sorry. You have to be able to adapt with the time, but also adapt with different cultures and and different environments. Yeah, I remember a while back a book uh, called like The World is Flat came out like what maybe 15 or so years ago and it kind of talked about what's happening now where um like this globalization is actually occurring and what you kind of described kind of um showcases how much of that has become real. Um what is the biggest challenge for most people is going out there and getting acclimated with each individual culture from each country because they're so vastly different from like the American culture. Um, do you have some tips on how some people could go out there and like learn more about different cultures so they're uh, more they have more of a playing field where they could operate um, with other types of countries as well as opposed to just sticking to America? Yeah, no. So, um, for sure, um, one of the things that I would say, um, especially to like individuals in the tech space or startups in the tech space, um, right now, you know, there's a huge uh, push that's happening. Is like, for example, in Africa right now for like digital transformation. Um, there's conferences happening all around the world that that's really bringing you know um, different people from different backgrounds and so forth. So there'd be conferences like Web Summit that happens in Europe. You know, I've been, I've been there a few years ago and it was a few from all around the world. There are these uh, conferences that's happening. Like right now, Dubai, it's, it's going to be like a huge hub for businesses and so forth. And also Kenya. So I think, um, and, and to be honest, LinkedIn is a great platform to be honest. I know we connected on Twitter. But LinkedIn is really a great platform to be able to connect with people from different backgrounds and so forth. So it's really how you market and how you communicate. Um, but also have, um, having cultural competency. Like, luckily for myself and my business partner, Dosi, we have a very um, global mindset. We both have traveled the world. You know, we both speak two different languages and so forth. And, and we respect our cultures and we respect other people's cultures. So we already have that mindset. But at the same time, um, you know, I am American, so... And as, as, I know the world views Americans as not being open-minded and so forth. So I would say, you know, really being conscious of different cultures and, and, and also really seeing how the culture that you come from connects with their culture. There's, we're, we're all humans at the end of the day, you know. So there's a sense of connection, but also ha having common ground and creating win-win solutions. Um, especially when it comes to business, making sure that the businesses that you're approaching, that you're able to really create a win-win solution for yourself, for, for, for the client or even the partner that you're approaching, but also for, for all parties involved. So I like that. And what I kind of see is, um, let's say you're on LinkedIn, let's say you're on Twitter, 
you could really go out there and connect with anyone in the world. Um, let's say you're um, starting up a business conversation and maybe you're t talking to someone over in Saudi Arabia. They may approach it a little bit more um, stoically, a lot more professionally and um, have more structure in their communication where if you're talking to someone from maybe a different country, like it could be a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more... Um, comfortable a little bit more like a casual conversation and i think like these nuances are kind of important to like really learn about because like um, when you're not familiar with working with a new country or um, how they operate, like kind of like digging into seeing and learning more about that is kind of essential especially if you want to go and expand into different areas yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like, that's what I was saying earlier, like, research, research is so important, research development. I'm, I'm big on history. I just love history overall. That's, that's a, a personal thing, a hobby of mine. So I think that's also has helped me um, throughout the years. I've lived in D.C. for over 12 years. So just be, being in D.C. has also helped with me understanding different cultures and how different leaderships, uh, different leaders globally, uh, how you interact. You're right certain environments, like different sectors, um, different countries. I've seen, you know, there's people who are pretty uh, serious and you have to conduct yourself in a certain way. And there's people who are laid back. But doing, doing research is always helpful. There's so much information out there. Um, and, and I think it's, it's also you, you have to be interested. If you're not interested, you, I don't believe you should force yourself to do something that there is like no interest or no passion behind it. Of course. And a lot of people, they could start their research um, if you have the means to go and travel and visit a country. And then you get to see how that culture is. Um, or you could go and do some research online if you don't have the resources. So there's many ways that you could go out there and do this. Um, Nura, I wanted to thank you so much for hopping on to our show. Do you have any final tips that you wanted to give to our audience? Um, well, I guess um, I would, well, first, like, thank you again for having me. Um, I would say, um, like, I said earlier, you know, we're going, it's a really unique time in history. I think uh, anyone that is entrepreneur or has their own business or that's in a leadership position that's listening, um, this is really a unique time to really um, transform and also push, um, I would say, push for good, push for purpose. And, and, and at the end of the day, like we're, we're kind of living in an era that we're, uh, we're, we're living in history and, and, and really push for positive change. I would say that. Awesome. And where can people find you online, Nura? So I'm on LinkedIn, um, Nura Ali, uh, and also my company, Bold Branding Group. Um, we're active on all platforms. I'm also on um, Twitter, and that's how me and Leonard connected. Um, Nura underscore Shake with uh, S-H-E-I-K. Um, so, but if you, I'm all, I'm all, all platforms. <laughs> Awesome. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Thank you so much, Nira, for coming on to the show. Um, and everyone, we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.